What's up, Secrets fam? Welcome to the Secrets Are Killing Us podcast. Now listen, we're vulnerable, we cry, we laugh, we're honest so that we can really heal, be healed, and set free from those internal secrets. And we know we all have them. Yeah, that's been killing us. <laughs> Come vibe with us. What's up, Secrets fan? Welcome to another episode of the Secrets Are Killing Us podcast. This is part two of our special Mother's Day edition. We don't know how many parts it's going to be, and we're going to keep going because our mothers deserve all the love, right? Um, I'm joined once again by the one, the only, Anthony Vincent. Whoop, whoop. What it do, good people? <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a very, very, very special guest today. Um, Anthony, I'll let you do the honors. Okay. Uh, well, since we've been talking about motherhood on our last episode, we talked with Felice. So we said, you know what? Let's just keep the ball rolling. So this time we um, have a very special guest, someone that is near and dear to me, and whom, to which I would not be here had it not been for her. So my mother is on the line, Miss Rhonda. Um, also, I call her best friend. Hey, best friend. <laughs> um, she is on the line. So mom, say hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm starting to see the similarities already. It's so crazy. <laughs> First of all, Ms. Rana, thank you for joining us. But most importantly, how are you doing with everything that's going on right now? You know, I'm, um, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, this is going to be fun, I feel like. <laughs> yes. See, that's, it's going to be fun. That's the energy that I want. Uh, but I'm doing well. I mean, you know, these are certainly some uncertain times that I honestly thought I'd never live to see um, and actually live through. But, you know, I, I serve a higher being. And so he has been giving me peace of mind. And I can honestly mm-hmm. say in the past, I probably wouldn't have this level of peace if it wasn't for just some maturity and growth throughout the years of my life. So um, it's certainly a sad time. So many deaths, so many things that are happening as a result and late responses. But, you know, I thank God that my family is safe. And so far, I only had one family member who has been and she did survive it. So, um, you know, I'm I'm optimistic that this thing is about to be over. But I also know that um, this is deeper than what people think. Um, it's if you just kind of pause a little bit and you watch how God shut a world down okay. to get the attention of people. Uh, a lot of <laughs> us profess that we know him, but many of us don't take the time to really listen. And he speaks in silence. And so, you know, sometimes he'll stricken you and put you on your back to get your attention. But I just found that it was amazing that, wow, uh, an entire world can actually be shut down. And the sad part is some people are going to miss what the Lord has been trying to say through this. But I know this Mm -hmm. is not what we are on here for. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm doing well, considering all things. So thank you for asking. Yeah, That's good news. So let's set the clock back. Before, 
What is it? June twelfth is your birthday? No, <laughs> one down. Oh, June. It's all right. I've been drinking. <laughs> so June eleventh. <laughs> what was the year? Eighty six. Eighty seven. Dad, you can't get nothing right. Mom, tell him how. Tell him what my birthday is and, and what what time I'm born. He is tripping. Six six eleven eighty seven at eleven fifty eight a.m. Thank you. Okay, so take us back before that. What was life like before being a mom? Like, were you a wild and crazy child? Were you, you know, what, what was life like before all that? Um, I was a, I can't say I was a typical teenager because I wasn't. I was very, very mature for my age. Um, mm-hmm. I was finishing high school, had plans to go to college. Um, Anthony's father and I were what I always describe as the boy next door. Now he didn't literally live next door to me, but (laughs) we, the way that our, our blocks intersected. Um, so he lived around the corner and he was just the boy that, uh, first captured my attention, I'll say. Why? I don't know, because he teased me a lot as a little girl. Um, he was three years and some months older than I was, um, but he was harsh to me as a young girl. Um, but about the age of 15, I'll say, he sparked some interest. Um, it was not always pleasant, and Back when I was growing up, uh, my mother and other family members felt strongly that you couldn't have a boyfriend until you were at least 16. But because he was, again, quote unquote, the boy next door, and of course he knew my family, my mother, um, I think she kind of let some things slide a little bit. Um, so by the time I turned 16, it was pretty much um, on and popping, and he was my boyfriend. Come on, so, on and popping? <laughs> so for me, it was this young girl in high school and had this older man as the boyfriend. So, you know, I'm going to school, and there were times he would come up to the school and pick me up and everybody else had to ride to set the bus to get home. And my boyfriend was waiting outside to <laughs> take me home. So, <laughs> um, but I was a very low key teenager. I, I don't consider myself a nerd by far, but I, one of the, my passions, I would have to describe it as was music and still is. Um, and I'm a reader at heart. And back then, I read a lot of what bookworm was called the Judy Bloom books. <laughs> I'm taking it way back. <laughs> I gotta Google that one. Yeah, I gotta Google that one. Um, so that was pretty much my my life. Um, I was raised by a single parent. Um, my mother and I had a very good relationship, probably unhealthy at times, um, but we had a good relationship. And it was just she and I um, all of my life. Uh, and so I didn't get into trouble, uh, but I did have three very, very good friends in high school. And to this day, we are still super close. So you're talking 33, 34 years later. Um, oh, wow. We are close. We still get together and just do lunches. Um, 
The ironic thing is we may not talk daily, but something happens in one of our lives. We're there. There's just no questions asked. Mm -hmm. We get the call. We get the text message and we're on our way. So, you know, again, I wasn't by no stretch, by no means a wild teenager. I was pretty much a homebody Mm -hmm. for the most part. Like I said, it was tough for my mother to punish me because what would she take from me? My books and my music. <laughs> so that is literally my life, music and my books. And I, I, I say a lot of times that I have only child syndrome because technically I'm an only child. I was at least raised that way. Um, but uh-huh. that was my life. So fast forward, um, I get through my high school years um, and I graduate in June of 86. I'm still with um, that first love guy. (laughs) Where'd you go to high school? Where'd you go to high school? I went to John Bartram Motivation High School in Philadelphia. Come on, Bartram. (laughs) Okay. So it was um, Bartram is um, they had a main building. They had a building called Human Services and another one called Motivation. I went to the Motivation Service yeah. building, and that one was more of the college pre- preparatory um, part of the school. So at back then, my mindset was that I was going to be a pediatrician. And so I took a lot of science classes. Um, we had a lot of trips based on the field you wanted to go to. So early on in life, I got the exposure of actually seeing live surgeries at Hanneman Hospital. And for all I knew, I'm going to be a doctor someday. And I'm going to be a pediatrician. And I'm going to take care of kids and, and babies. And she still likes all that kind of stuff today. Like, we like, what's some of the shows we used to watch, Mom? We used to watch um, the, what's the baby show? Ba- um, what is it when they used to have the babies on TV? Oh, some of that little reality stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. We used to watch the people have babies. We like we what? like the good it used to be a show a long time ago where they it was baby story. Is that what it is? Mom? Yes. Yes. Baby, baby story where we would literally watch TV. I've never heard it's of old. it. Oh, I don't remember even what channel it came on, but it, it, maybe Discovery or something. Where they would just have babies and we would watch the whole birthing process and them, you know, going into labor and all that kind of stuff. We like stupid stuff like Oh, absolutely. We watch Dr. Pimple Popper type stuff. Our one of our favorite no. shows is The Good Doctor. So it, that she gave me that kind of stuff because she likes um that kind of medical stuff. Even though she didn't continue on with that, she still it's still something that she enjoys to watch. So we and I get that craziness from her too. And I do. I watch the only medical <laughs> the only medical show I would watch was ER. My show in my younger years. So that kind of <laughs> probably was the thing to start. Um I loved ER, watched every season until it was done. Um transitioned from Me ER too. to Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> oh <laughs> so the fu- I've never watched an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Me either. I want so to. But it's I've never funny watched. because I still watch some of the newer shows. So I love The Resident. I love The Good Doctor. Um, more recently, I started getting into Chicago Med. I love that. But they're all different. So Grey's Anatomy for me yeah. was more about a love story for two people. And they didn't get like really deep down and nerdy into the medical stuff. But some of the shows that I watch today, I'm like, wow, I could have been doing that. 
<laughs> and she loves love. So, so okay. <laughs> anything that's got love Spe- and medical speaking of, in it. Well, you didn't keep the medical. I do the love part. But so then eventually, <laughs> life, life, you know, you made a plan and God laughed and threw you this curveball. Yes, he threw this curveball. So my little saying was when people say, so what did you learn in high school? And my response is, well, I learned to graduate, but I also learned how to get pregnant right after high school. <laughs> do you remember when you found I out? Do. So here's here's the, the crazy part of it all. Now I'm getting ready to get a little deep and dirty, so might be a little Go ahead. This what we no, this what we do here. Information. Tell it. Tell it. <laughs> um I actually didn't know I was pregnant. So for the better part of the first five months of my pregnancy. I still had a normal uh-huh. cycle and I was still taking birth control pills because I had no signs that I was pregnant. That's why I'm still crazy to this day. She was still popping pills. He was, he was, she was still he was stubborn back then. Like. <laughs> no Damn. signs. And then um, I probably right before I was transitioning to that six months, his dad and I, I was at his house and I kept falling asleep and his sister's boyfriend at the time he would come in and he would kind of say, damn, every time I come in here, she sleep. What's wrong with it? Is she pregnant? <laughs> and when he said it, it was like, pregnant? And it was like him saying that then started a reaction. And that whole time, though, I was craving McDonald's French fries. So <laughs> late at night, his dad would go get me fries. And, and I just never connected the two. Um, so after his now uncle made that comment I'm like I better go to the doctor because I'm always sleeping (laughs) and I go to the doctor still in denial and I will never forget what the doctor said to me and it blew my mind so I'm not going to give you the exact number because I don't remember it off the top of my head but literally they gave me the blood the pregnancy test took my blood and she said congratulations you are so many weeks pregnant and I just kind of paused like what and I'm counting on my fingers like I'm about to have, when did this have a baby <laughs> because I literally was at the mark of turning into six months so I didn't have yeah. the it was no growth or anything and I'm going wait 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 I'm on birth control something gonna be wrong so there was a flood of emotions there was confusion and you know you tend to when you're young like that you go how could this happen but you go through all that I mean that's that's a real feeling that women um, and questions that women ask and so um, his father was with me and you know I'm like what are we going to do what was his reaction like Um, at that time in our lives he was a fool over me and so he was excited. It was like, we're having a baby. We made this baby in love and da 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 And so I'm looking at him like, um, yeah, I'm supposed to be going to the University of Virginia for college. And how am I going to tell my mother? Yeah, I would, that was my next question. Because here comes the boy next door. Yeah, so that was <laughs> how, that was my response and so you know we leave the doctor's office and I was in a dilemma I was in a true dilemma I knew that I couldn't abort it was too late 
I knew that life as I knew it was really about to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, is this going to be for the good, the bad, and how am I going to tell my mother? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, it was for your good. Let me go ahead and throw that out there. It was for your good. So I'll just say on that note, <laughs> in the end, it turned out for my good. <laughs> yes, clearly. But it did not come without some tears and some mm. trials and some tough times. Um, but in the end, it was for my good. So that that's a good transition. So you had the baby, you found out it was a boy and everything like that. Now you went from, you know, like you said, you're about to go to um, Virginia for school and fast forward to two years, we'll say two years into motherhood. What was the adjustment like? I'm sure it was a whirlwind of emotions and different expectations. And now you had, now you're a mom, you know, it was like, I'm sure it was night and day. Like, what was that transition like for you? So they don't give you a manual on how to be a mother. There's no guidebook. Um, You either learn it through trial and error or what you've seen yourself, but there's no guidebook. For me, I've always had a very, very close-knit family. My family at one point was very large and everybody oh, wow. loved everybody. And so I had um, such a support system, not just my, mm. my mother, um, but my aunts, my uncles, cousins. I had a very large support system. So what could have been very hard and difficult wasn't because of that support system and because of that love. Um, so I didn't, it didn't get difficult until a few years later. So that early stages of his life, it was fun. I, you know, he was a messy little baby. He <laughs> um, couldn't hold down any of the formulas. Um, so literally at two months, because he couldn't hold food down, they put him on whole milk immediately. So he was drinking whole milk, vitamin D milk at two months because he just couldn't hold any formula down. Um, so that was scary. So I've been fat my entire <laughs> life, everybody. I've been fat my entire life. That's what she's trying to tell y'all. I've been fat my entire life. So that was that was a trying period. Um Oh, and I slept through the through the night ever since the first night. And Boy, that, him, and that is a fact. He from night one <laughs> when he came home, he slept through the night, and I used to be up like, "Is he breathing?" So, <laughs> as a mother, that's the time you're told when your baby sleep, you sleep. How do you sleep? Mm-hmm. You've also seen through other people their babies or hearing my baby gets up every two to three hours, and I'm like, mine just sleeps and wakes up at seven a.m. So he was lazy back then. He was lazy back (laughs) then. Because I love a good nap now. Do you understand? I love some rest. I think the real question is how many times did you drop him on his head? Because, like, 
Now, wait a minute, Chris. My mom is still my best friend. Now, don't make her the other side of Ronda come out. That is still my mom and my best friend. Now, you better be easy. Look, we, we're going to bring out all sides for this thing. <laughs> um, for me, I like that. Now, his dad, that might be another question. <laughs> Because sometimes he says something crazy. I'm like, you clearly has some type of trouble. <laughs> but, so now here you are, you know, you're you're the mom, you're you're raising this 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 kid, this black boy in America. And the cool thing, and I'm glad you said it, like you had it sounds like you had a village, you know, you really didn't want for as far as love and support. Okay. And um that that's definitely a blessing. So Anthony, what was what's your earliest memory of childhood? Like what, what? What? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about being a kid? It's so funny because from my family, we are picture takers. So we hold on to pictures and we do nostalgia moments where, like, we're in a group text and we'll send. Um, our group text is called Me Familia. So we'll go ahead and, um, like, randomly be going through pictures or something. We'll say Throwback Thursday and send family pictures. So it's crazy how much you forget until you see those kinds of pictures to reflect that, oh, I remember this day, or I remember I got this toy on this day. But for me, sometimes it's hard to figure out if it's something you remember or stories that you told. But I feel like in the pit of my stomach, I remember so much, you know, from my childhood. Of course, baby times, like one to two, I don't remember. But I think around the times that I started to talk um, is um, more of what I can remember. There are some glimpses of when I was younger that I feel like I remember. But like I said, you never know if it's, um, it's uh, you know, something that you heard or from a story. Me and my mom had this conversation about that a couple months ago. Um, but I remember, you know, you know, my mom working, you know, my grandmother, you know, everybody, for whatever reason, loved me. I don't, I don't know what it was. I was my grandmother's rabbit. You know, I was um, everybody wanted to play with me and hold <laughs> me. And, and I was always mature for my age i don't know where it comes from but i've always been mature for my age like i even remember um my father's um, mother my grandmother i was over her house and you know me i am very much i'm going to say how i feel and i've been like that my entire life and i was like i want to go see my cousin shelby i'm ready to go i don't remember how old i was i had to be like five and i was with my grandmother and of course she wanted me to stay with her but i was like i want to go see my cousin shelby and she asked me where she was, and I told her she was at my nana's house, which was my aunt, my grandmother's sister, her older sister. And I said, can you take me there? And mind you, I'm like five. <laughs> we get in the car. We get in my grandmother's Cadillac, because she stayed with a Cadillac all her life. Like, all I've ever seen her drive is a Cadillac. So she gets in the car. I get in the car with her. And I am literally telling her how to get there from one side of Philly <laughs> to the other side of Philly. And I'm not to a point where I am, you know, I'm young, so I don't know how to say, make a left or make a right or um, this street, this street, um, a couple blocks. I don't know how to say that. All I know how point. to do is point <laughs> and say this way, you know. So I, re I distinctively remember that day because my cousin Shelby, I always say she's my sister. We were always together. We were always playing together. We used to um, watch movies together. Disney was our thing. Lion King was our thing you know, um, as a family and some of the people that grew up with me and in our neighborhood, we were always at the Philadelphia Zoo. We have so mm -hmm. many pictures of us always being at the zoo because I loved animals as a kid. 
So I've always enjoyed that. So it's so much that I remember from my childhood. Um, and I think with my family, we try to hold on to those nostalgic mm-hmm. moments. And we always bring them up. Like Thanksgiving is, like I've told you before, when we talked about our Thanksgiving episode, like with Thanksgiving, that's our time. We will laugh, we will joke, we will dance, we will drink. But at the end of the day, we're going to go back in some story time <laughs> and do um, some nostalgic moments and remember. But I remember a lot. I remember living with my grandmother. Um, I remember my first couple of Christmases. I remember one Christmas. Um, I never forget. I was a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle um, <laughs> nerd. Loved it. Me too. Uh, my mom got me a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sweatsuit. She got me. Well, I don't know who got it, but I know Santa got it. Or well, Santa got it, but you uh, know. <laughs> Santa got it, my mommy got it. Yeah, right. Um, I remember I got a Teenage Mutant Ninja yep. Turtle tent. Um, I remember my bedroom in my grandmother's house. When, I, when you go up the steps, my mom's bedroom was straight ahead. Mine was the one on the left, and my grandma was toward the front of the house. So I remember my bedroom. I remember, you know, sitting at the table. I remember if I got in trouble by my mom, my grandmother would sneak me out <laughs> or, you know, keep me from getting into trouble. You're like, it's a lot from my childhood that I remember. But it, when we have those conversations as family, it helps me to know that I'm not tripping. This is something that really happened, not something that you just remember from the story. So I remember a lot. I, I had a really good, um, a really good childhood. My, my mom did the best she could um, as a single mother, you know, trying to make sure that I had the yeah. best. But it did so, not come without. I made many mistakes. Many, many mistakes. Sacrifices. It's okay. And I own those mistakes, uh, but I made a lot of mistakes. But it, it you know, again, as a young teenage mom, and mm-hmm. the mistakes, mistakes needed to be made because if you if you can't make a mistake, then a lot of times you you don't learn, and that's just you know everyday one on one. Some people just don't want to make a mistake, um, but that's one of the mm-hmm. best tools and resources and how you learn. So you know, I, you know. It, he says that he had a, a a great childhood, and for the most part, he probably did. But I did. I made some mistakes. I think what probably Anthony associates with a great childhood is it wasn't anything that he wanted for. He got the best yeah. of the best, um, and I'm talking, you know, whether that's clothing and the name brand this and the name brand that. Um, didn't miss a beat with a meal. Um, and, and again, he was exposed to such an enormous amount of love because our family is just, you know, for a family of just love. Um, it seems like mm-hmm. sometimes they would be fighting when they're playing cards, but that was how they actually showed. Like does every black family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> P-knuckle, P-knuckle and, was the and game. And that's how they showed their love one for another. But I mean, if somebody on the outside came in and saw that, you probably would have been traumatized. so let me let me let me ask you this um i mean you guys obviously are super close and you say you're best friends i'm assuming it wasn't always that way right miss Rhonda? absolutely it was not always that way nope so when wasn't all peaches and cream for you guys probably i have to say as he became a teenager and some of that i think Back then, I didn't see it, nor did I realize it. Today, I can look at it and see he experienced some trauma. And what I mean by that is what Anthony was used to it being mommy and Anthony for years. Mm -hmm. 
And then a man comes mm-hmm. into my life, wants to marry me, and things changed. So where Anthony had the autonomy to just kind of walk in my room and just chill, get in the bed with me, we'd look at, like he told you, Disney was his thing, and I'd let him watch it, and we'd watch it together. Um, you know, that changes when a partner comes into your life. I described this, like I said, he probably experienced a trauma um, back then. I couldn't see it, didn't know it. The, the, where I made my mistake, I'll say, is because I did not want him to experience what I experienced growing up. Again, my mother was a single parent, so I saw a boyfriend there everywhere. I didn't want that exposure for him. One, I never wanted him to feel like somebody was going to take his father's place. His father loved everything about Anthony. Um, and he would, and I, I do want to back up a little bit. Um, from the day that Anthony was born, his father doted on him. His father loved him. That was his first child. Um, his heart was huge for his son. He loved his son. Um, but when things did not work out between he and I, you know, again, that's a transition. You know, my yeah. parents aren't together, and there's difficulty. Back then, I, the word co-parenting, I don't think I ever heard. Like, you hear it today. Um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. he didn't get that. Um, it was, the, the the breakup between his father and I was volatile. It was bad. Um, and so, unfortunately, the child always suffers in some way in those situations. So, you know, like I said, I have to say it probably changed when he got into his teenage years because then I meet someone and life changes. That I made my mistake is I didn't expose him to my now husband early on, not knowing that my husband and I were going to kind of go full speed, fast forward from you know, meeting, knowing each other, liking each other, dating, and now we're married. I didn't see that coming. And so Anthony never really got a chance to really, really know him. He was around him, but not to really, really get to know him, to get him, to get Anthony prepared for the change of going from it being my mom and I all the time to now there's this man here. So I think things changed then. Um, As I stated earlier, um, I made a lot of mistakes. And back then I was in it. I've learned just through therapy for myself. I, my behaviors and how I handled things were the result of some learned behaviors. So I was very hard on Mm. Anthony. Um, I was raised by a village of women and I was raised by a village of women that were in many ways aggressive some who had spouses and they controlled the relationship. Um, so raising me being a single mom, raising a boy, I put on a man hat that I, one, didn't really know what I was doing, two, did it all wrong. Right. So there were times that I was physical with Anthony when I shouldn't have been trying to put fear in him to make him respect me. Um as I stated earlier, my family, though they were a family of love, they did a lot of screaming and hollering. So learned behavior. I picked that up and that's yeah. how I mm-hmm. functioned. Um, so that's where there was a lot of tension. 
um, and, and unhappy times for Anthony and I. And I didn't know. I wasn't aware. I remember times he would write me notes and he would say, if you would just stop hollering at me and just talk to me, then I can hear you. And back then I couldn't receive it because I couldn't understand and comprehend what he was trying to say to me. So it was rough those teenage years. I think the turnaround came when he was 19 and he made a decision to move to North Carolina. Okay, so I'm going to pause it right there before we even get that far. Um, first, I mean, I can count on one hand how many times I've heard a parent willingly say that they've made mistakes raising their kid. <laughs> um, and, I, and in my mind, I hope that more parents feel that way. I don't know if they're willing to admit it, but it has to be applauded because to sit there and not to just say you made mistakes, but that you've learned from them, you've unlearned probably some of those toxic behaviors and to, for the sake of bettering your relationship. So, I mean, that's, that's kudos to you for, for being that vulnerable. And honestly, that's why we wanted to do this, this episode, this podcast in general, because um, a lot of conversations in our community aren't, uh, they're not talked about because people are scared of being vulnerable and that backlash. Mm -hmm. um, but Anthony, now I pick on you. Mm -hmm. Do you what was do you remember when that transition happened? When it went from you and mom to now it's three people in this relationship. Wh where was your mind? Oh, good question. Um, my mind was all over the place to be honest because um, I have this. Me and my dad had ended up becoming estranged, so um, my fa my father and I were not close as much when my mom um, got married. And then me and my stepdad were not that close um, from a relationship standpoint. And, you know, my mom speaks on, you know, you know, how she, you know, may have responded to me or, you know, the aggression behind it. So I had to deal with that. But I didn't also had to deal with the fact that I don't know this man like that who's living in a house. And then I, there's new rules that I had to abide by that have not been discussed with me that now I have to learn what's OK and what's not OK. You know, I have to learn that when he comes in the house, I need to speak. Um, if I'm watching TV, I need to go into a different room so that he can have the, you know, the family room. It was rules that I didn't know um, that I had to abide by that came with it. And um, it was it was I think, you know, speaking to my mom's point, I think that was probably the biggest transition. That was the that was the hardest time was trying to figure everybody out and then. I guess feeling like I didn't have anybody to talk to about how I'm feeling with the situation. Yeah. So almost putting myself in a place of just making sure everybody else is okay. So I don't cause no drama because I don't want to cause any drama between my mom and her new husband. But I also want things to be the way they were. I, I don't see why just because you're married, I can't come in and we watch movies or you come in my room, we watch movies and just, you know, chill out. Right. You know, I didn't understand the dynamics of marriage because like my mom said, my grandparents, my, my, my mom's mom and father, grandfather, um, my mom's mom and her father, excuse me, were not together. So I didn't see that. You know, I got to see my father's mother and, um, and my father's father, but they were very much separated. Like he would be in the living room watching TV. She'd be upstairs in her room or, or in the den. You know, it was never like I saw a close romantic fairy tale type of love type relationship thing. So because I never saw that and I'm kind of having an epiphany now, it's like, well, why can't I sit in the room and watch TV with you? He downstairs in the basement right. watching TV. <laughs> I mean, why can't I? 
It's the same thing I'm seeing with my grandmother and my grandfather. So why can't I? So I think that was the biggest transition and making sure I respect my stepfather and um, learning that there's a new head of the household, you know, that is something that a lot of people don't take into consideration um, and that I didn't really get or understand. I'm thinking we all in the house together, you know, I was never the man of the house. Um, my mother didn't treat me like I was the man of the house, but you know, we under, we, what was understood didn't have to be spoken about. We knew what was understood between me and my mom in our household. And we were raised that, you know, what goes on in this house stays in this house. Yeah. So that's just the way that our dynamic was. So when we got, when they got married, um, it was a shift. It was a definitely big culture shift. And, you know, of course, we're coming with, um, a, um, becoming a teenager, making sure that you, you know, you now have chores to do. Um, an abundance of chores and doing it by yourself. And you got to run things by mom and stepdad now, or talk to mom and then mom talk to stepdad and see if that's okay. And now there's a two way type of communication has to go now, opposed to just going right to the source, which has always been my mom. So that was a, um, a big transitional piece, but I'll say even when it comes to who moving, um, <laughs> um, I will even say when it comes to, you know, me and my mom kind of rekindling the relationship or repairing it, I should say. Yeah, who approached who? Like, who said? I don't even think it was a conversation. I think my mom, I think my mom just in conversations behind the scenes just started to realize that there was some opportunity. And then as I started to grow, she started to see that there, maybe there is some things that needs to shift. And she's taken a little further back than what, what it really was. Because when I started to get into high school, that's when the rain started to come off a little bit more. You know, when I started to drive and I started to work or, you know, our thing became, I'm going to the mall. You want to call me to the mall? Okay. So we'll go to the mall. We will walk the mall or go to the grocery store, do things together. That was ended up becoming our uh, mom and son time outside of the house, outside of your stepdad, outside of your brother. Um, so it kind of started there. Yeah. And then once I got out of high school and I went into the workforce, you know, me and my mom used to work together. So we were riding to work together in the corporate America for AIG insurance. And we would sing songs <laughs> on the way to, um, on the way to loud um, and wrong. On the way to we work. Worship we started <laughs> loud. Okay. And then, or it'd be a situation where we just started this whole nitpicking thing. I'm dri- I'm riding and she's driving. And she'll just turn and look at me and pinch me. Then I pinch her back and we just, and she punched me and then I hit her leg. So it was, it was kind of before, you know, I moved out here. It was more so that started from, just her being able to, for lack of a better word, say, just relax and say, let me see things from a different perspective. And she didn't have to say it. I started to see it. Yeah. You know, some people feel like, you know, be, um, you know, what you do is more important than words. I think it's a combination of both. But I did. She didn't need to say anything because I got to see that she was changing. Yeah, And at the same time, I think, like you said, a lot of people get stuck in waiting to hear the words and just refuses mm-hmm. to recognize the action. Yeah, um, and one thing I want to highlight because it's so interesting now that I hear it. You guys used to drive to work together, and and be singing and uh, stuff like that. So now when I watch your videos on Instagram of you doing the exact same thing, I can see the I guess the origin of it's nostalgia. Yeah, I can see, and plus now I can see the origin of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Miss Rhonda, you brought it up, and I was um, statue when he moved to North Carolina. What was that feel? What was that immediate feeling when he told you? Like, Fear. Oh, that was okay. the immediate reaction. It was fear um, because he made a decision and he, he was going what I would describe as blindly. There was no job. 
and he was he did he made this decision to to make this move um the job at AIG that we had gone through major layoffs and he couldn't find anything here in Delaware. And so he made a decision for himself. Um, so on that note, it was like, okay, he's doing this for himself. But for me, it was fear. Some of the fear and anxiety yeah. was mm-hmm. more about if something happens, I can't get to him right away. Is he going to be okay? Right. My husband was encouraging me with He's making a decision. You got to trust that what he's doing is going to benefit him. And it's probably going to be the best move because to be honest with you, Chris, I'm a smother mother. I really am. My kids are everything to me. (laughs) And oh, I've never heard that before. Smother mother. And I'm very protective of my kids. And I'll tell people in a minute if you mess, you come for my kids or my husband and I get wind of it, oh, it's not going to be pretty. And I have been known to go 0 to 1,000 or 0 to 10,000 over <laughs> my kids and my husband. So for me, it was a fear factor. Is he going to be okay? I was My husband, like I said, encouraged me and he helped me to try to be okay with it. Now, I was not okay with it, but he had to do what he had to do. So his, when he that day we went to his apartment and I'm looking at this U-Haul truck and I'm trying to suck in tears and not be emotional and because uh-huh. <laughs> I don't want him driving and feeling like he's he's pulling off to take this eight hour drive and his mother is wrecked. So it was like it yeah. that was tough. It was fear, massive fear, but it was just simply at that time, let me make this very clear. At that time it was the fear of is he going to be okay? And if he is not, how do I get to him? How can I? I can't just drive around the corner anymore, a 10-minute drive to help him out. So he makes his move. And I can say, I know that he experienced some tough times initially. And I know that um, his experience did not come without hardship. But he and he can step in and, and correct me if I'm wrong here. I think that Anthony watched me as a single mom and saw he watched mm-hmm. how I learned how to survive. And what I mean is wow. he knew that there as for as young as he was, he knew when we were experiencing hard times but he saw the sacrifice. He knew that I didn't always have the money to do certain things. And, you know, there were times where I couldn't eat, but he ate. There were times where my gas was turned off in our apartment. He didn't know. He still had heat. He still had clothes and he still ate. I think some of, I have to go back a little bit. Some of my most treasured memories are when Anthony was he probably was between four and five so he was in the preschool mode and I'll never forget this we had just moved (laughs) out and I just got my apartment and but we 
the school he was at was still around the corner from where I grew up at. My mother's home was there. So I felt safe him being PCA, Philadelphia. <laughs> I felt Christian comfortable Academy. with him being there because my mother still lived around the corner. So of course the neighbors that I had already grew up with, if anything happened, they could get to him. So a couple of things I want to backtrack on. My goal was I have to take care of this kid. He is my responsibility. So I made it a point that although I could have done it, I chose not to. I never at the age of 19 having a child, I never got on public assistance. I went out there and I got me a corporate America job because mm-hmm. I knew this kid needs to have medical benefits and unfortunately his father was not mm-hmm. in a position to do so. So it was my responsibility to do that. Um, when we moved out, my little preschooler, I take him around to the school <laughs> and I'm like, are you going to be okay? You know, mommy has to go to work, but as soon as, you know, mommy's done, <laughs> you know, you're, I'll see you. And this dude looks at me and he goes, okay, mommy, see you later. <laughs> I'm bawling. I'm crying like, leave my baby. And he looks at me, okay, mommy, see you later. And I'm like, What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably all destroyed like, I get to my job, which at that time was in Center City, Philadelphia. So I got to catch a bus and a train, and I'm boohooing. I get to my job. I call the school, and the lady that was caring for me said, "Oh, he's fine. He's playing and everything." I'm like, "What in the world? This guy." So those times for me was my most treasured moments with him because then. Wintertime, I would, he was always bundled up. I think he hated it. I had soaps and layers and layers on him. But me and him running to catch a septa bus so that we can get to our apartment and we had to walk down a hill and we would kind of run. And those were treasured memories for me with him as a, a little kid. I know he hated We walked a lot. We, <laughs> there were certain times that the bus would only let us off to a certain Listen. point. We'd have to walk, but we, we made it happen. But those are some truly treasured memories. So, you know, like I said, I'm a smother mother. So when he made his decision to go to North Carolina, it was like, (laughs) oh, Lord, I'm not going to be able to control anything. And that's really what it comes down to, the word (laughs) control. My husband talks to me about Mm, that a lot um, over the years. And I am. If I can't control it, then it, it puts me in a position where I feel like I'm not useful and move Uh-oh. was the best thing for he and I so that I could one, let him become a man. If he had stayed here, yeah, it wouldn't have happened because I'm a southern mother. <laughs> All right, Secrets fam, we're going to pause it right there. Next week, we're going to continue the conversation with Anthony and his mom, Miss Rhonda. So you don't want to miss the ending of this episode.